if you're here today and, and you're feeling a little bit that ground beneath you kind of shaky, I understand. And I just want to remind us, if, if our hope is on anything, if our hope is in politics, that's shaky ground every day. Whether it looks like things are going your way or not, that's always shaky ground, right? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. Help me sing it, Brother Ivy. Amen? On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is seeking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That was my Ivy impression. There it was. It was bad. Sorry. Oh, there it was. Christ. Let's stand on Christ. Amen. Amen. This is our chance. This is our chance. Church, I'm just kind of thinking of this. This is our chance to get back to work. To get back. Let's put it behind us. Let's get back to work. Because I think some of us haven't, we've kind of taken a little break. So let's get back to work. Let's be the church. This country definitely, desperately needs you to be the church. Well, we are, we're in a little mini-series, a little two-week mini-series called God is Love. And uh, by the way, we're, a blood drive is going on right now, too. You might have seen the blood drive trucks out there. So if you see folks kind of going in and out, don't forget, if you have an appointment, it was by appointment only. So uh, if, you, if your schedule is time, just feel free to get up. I won't, I won't assume that you're mad at me or anything. Just go give your blood and then come back. Hallelujah. And if you're a little sleepy after giving blood, I understand that, too. I'm doing mine at noon because of that, because I, I, I get a little sleepy. I didn't want to sleep for you while I was preaching. So, all right. We're in this series. We're intentionally taking this series smack dab in the middle of this wild and crazy time here in America, one of the weirdest stressful times in our country, to stare at who God is. We're staring at these, these, this core uh, of who God is, these three beautiful words, God is love. Ah, I just never want that to escape the, the majesty of that, the revolutionary nature of that statement. Uh, God is love. How it affects us, it affects our lives, it affects how we live in community. Um, It gives our life truth and meaning and value like nothing else. Last week we we started this. Um, This week, let me say this, I just hope uh, if you're here today or or if you're watching by live stream right now at home, I just invite you to to, uh, stop are all the other things that you're doing. Stop what else you're doing. And if you're sitting here, you're like, I'm not doing it. I'm sitting here. Just stop wherever it is you, you're going with your mind right now and, and be right here. Just be right here. Be present because God is here and he wants to do something. He wants to speak to you. But you got you to be paying attention to him, okay? I have to remind myself of that all the time, right? The ADHD goes crazy and I'm thinking of 14 different things. So I have to tell myself, God, this is this is the time I'm, I'm giving completely to you. Talk to me right now. And he is going to be speaking to us. We've been praying this week. I've been praying. Others have been praying that God will speak to us in this moment because the God of the universe, who is love, is wanting to speak to you right now. I believe that with all my heart. And so I've been praying that, that he would speak to us, snap us out of our religious routines, snap us out of whatever cycle of thought you, you, you and I have been on, uh, that spiral. Um, Snap us out of that so we can be more of the people, individually and as a community, be the people that God's called us to be. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We say it a lot in here. I don't know if some of you remember. Why do we come to church? Anybody tell me? Why do you come to church? Right. There's lots of good reasons. We come to worship. We come to receive. Sometimes we come for a healing. Sometimes we're, we come for the camaraderie, to like an injection of spiritual energy. Ultimately, we come to church to help each other become more like Jesus. That's why we come here. You can't get that anywhere else. You can't get it through a podcast. You can't get it in your car. We can help each other become more like church when we are right here together. And so with that in mind, all right, here we go. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4. That's where we're we're going to be studying from. First John chapter 4. If you're new to the Bible, there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. That could get a little confusing. There's a gospel of John at the beginning of the New Testament. And then there's a first, second, third John. These are letters from John. Uh, they're towards the end of the Bible, right before Jude and Revelation. So first John are these letters that John was writing to the church. That's you and me. So he's writing to us. We read through verses 7 through 12 last week. Now we're just going to walk through the rest of this chapter this week. Here we go. Here we go. 
verse 13, 1 John chapter 4. He says, by this we know. Now, remember, he's talking to us. He's talking to uh, the agape toy. Remember that? The beloved uh, family of God, the beloved. He's talking to us. So this is like a secret internal memo, all right? By this we know, God's kids, church, that we abide in God and he in us. Wow, what intimacy is right there. Such intimacy that we live in God and God lives in us. How do we know that? Well, he gives us a few ways to know that we're really a part of this. Because he has given us his spirit, and we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. I love this. In two verses here, all the members of the Trinity are mentioned. Do you see that? The Spirit, the Father, the Son. And it just moves in talking, he just moves in talking about the Trinity here. Uh, they just belong together. And the fact that God is love, it means that God is in community. He is in unity. He is in community. You, you don't just love if there's nothing to love. God is intrinsically love. And so there's community there. There's this love passing between personhood here. It's, it's a crazy, fascinating mystery. And John says, we can testify to this love being real because we have the Spirit living in us. And he says that some of us disciples even were with Jesus. We saw him in the flesh. We saw the person that God sent to this world. But God doesn't just live inside us who saw Jesus in the flesh, he says, with their own eyes. Because, John says in verse 15, God abides in all those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Not just that Jesus was a Messiah, not just Jesus is prophet, Jesus is guru, Jesus is best friend, but anyone who declares that Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of God, the one birthed out of God himself to show us what the Father's like. And Jesus is interesting. He's not, he's not a God's child in the same way that you and I are God's child. You ever think about that? The the Greek makes it plain that Jesus is of the same kind of being as God. You and I aren't God, are we? Thank goodness, right? No, no. The the, the Greek word in here, it says he is of the Father, and the Greek word is this word monogenous, and it's monogenous. It's made of these two words, monogenous, like one genus or one species. The, The same type of thing that God is himself. So he is the monogenous son of God. Uh, some, some translations uh, might say only begotten son of God. It actually just means the one of a kind, the one of a kind, unique son of God. He's God's child in a way that none of us are. He comes from God. We are brought into God. That's the way the scriptures describe our relationship, that we're brought into the family, we're adopted in, we're grafted in. But Jesus has always been a part of the heart of God. He comes out from that to show us what God is like. Jesus came to show us God. So whoever he says, whoever confesses Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them, and they abide in God. There's that intimacy again, that breathtaking intimacy. He in us, we in him. So we have known and believed that love, the love that God has for us, that word believe there is the word for faith. It is having faith. It is that he's saying we can trust in this love. We can rely on it. No matter what happens, we can rest in the confidence of this love. And what does that love look like? Well, first of all, John repeats those three beautiful words again, that God is love. God is love. He said it last week. He says it here in the same chapter. It's the only place that we see this phrase. God is love. Three beautiful words. In the Greek, it's actually four beautiful words. Hotheos agapeestin. The God. The God of the universe. The, the ground of being. The creator of all. The God is love. Oh, man. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them, right? Oh, so, so if I live in love, I live in God. How do I live in God? I live in love, right? So what does that mean, to live in love? Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Because if you just say that over and over to yourself, it starts to sound like a Hallmark card. I don't know if you're like me, but you could just say, live in love. Live in, okay, great. Uh, 
he'll go on to say, well, Jesus can help us live in love. So I've read ahead a few verses, and let me see if I can begin to answer this question. What does it mean to live in love? To live in love, it does mean that I'm going to choose to be a more loving person, you know, do loving things, but it also means I'm going to live with an ongoing awareness of just how loved I am. So there's both aspects, very important. Living in love means I'm celebrating being loved by God, as well as committing to love like God. Both are important for me to focus and meditate on. I'm delighting in how much God loves me, but I'm also pouring it out. I'm pouring it out, pouring it out to other people. Here's the key. Now, if you don't have both, uh, if you don't have both, if we only have one or the other in our understanding of living in love, it's going to go badly. It just is. Uh, for instance, let's say you commit to love others. You're like, okay, I'm going to love others. I'm going to love others. I'm going to love others. I'm going to love them, love them, love them, do, do, do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to show lots of love. Here we go. Where that leads to is, is what I call PBR, performance-based religion. Performance-based religion. Your approval by God is all about, well, I've got to perform really well. I've got to love others really well. So, you know, there's going to be a judgment day someday, and I want it to go well for me. Performance-based acceptance, performance-based re- approval, performance-based religion. God is, you know, so God will finally give me that passing grade and a thumbs up because I've, I've loved well enough. My good deeds outweigh my, my bad deeds. I'll make it to the good place. Anybody see that show? All right. And what happens? The way of Jesus becomes a weight, becomes the weight of Jesus. But hold on. He said, my burden is light. My way is easy and my burden is light. But for us, it becomes this heavy, heavy weight. I've got to be good enough. Performance-based acceptance, performance-based approval, performance-based religion. And we see evidence of this when Christians may pour themselves into good, noble causes and reaching out and doing and doing and doing and serving this and serving others and volunteering for this, for this cause and standing up for this cause and that. But we find ourselves eventually sucked dry, burnt out, ultimately just bitter and disillusioned, right? Because none of our outflow was being fed by a daily personal encounter with Jesus. It has to be fed by a daily personal encounter with Jesus. I've tried. It, it just stinks. It doesn't work, right? You have to have an encounter daily with the God who loves you far beyond anything you could earn or merit. He loves you far beyond what you could earn or merit. He already loves you. Or if we say, well, I'm just going to focus on my celebration of being loved, my celebration of being loved. I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm loved, right? Me and God, that's all I need. Everything's good. He loves me so much. Yeah, I'm just going to sing about it and talk about it and just enjoy it. And if that's all we focus on, what that leads to is self-indulgent religion. Self-indulgent religion. The love is poured in, but it doesn't go anywhere. I've been guilty of that too. I, I mean, you have a very guilty pastor here, man. I've done, all, I've done it all right? The love is poured. It doesn't go anywhere. What happens? What happens is even, you know, even fresh water, you pour it into a pot and you let it sit there a long time. What what happens? It becomes stale, stagnant, a breeding ground for bugs, right? One time we were cooking, we had this big pot. It's kind of, you know, one of those like lobster pots or like size or you can hold a lot of spaghetti sauce in there. Anyway, tell one of the kids, take it out in the backyard, dump it out, wash it out with the water hose and bring it back in. Well, like most kids, they heard the first half of the uh, request and didn't do the second half, right? And so it was like weeks go by. This is not something you cook with every day, right? Unless you have like a family of 18. Uh, and so I remember like weeks and weeks go by and I'm like, where's that pot? Where's that pot? Go around, walking around the house over to the side where the, like the water faucet is and where nobody goes. And there it is. There's that pot and it's filled with wonderful fresh rainwater. No, it's filled with like larva, right? It's got so many mosquitoes all over it. No, I don't know if we've ever eaten out of that pot again. Um, That's what happens. So we say, we say, God loves me. He pours his love into me. But to make that your only focus, saying yes 
to having his water pouring in, but it never goes out. You will kill yourself with this self-indulgent religious life. Now, what are the signs of this? How do we recognize if, if we're drifting into this? It's when most of our attention, most of our preoccupation is, what, is over what God's done for me. What he's done for us, his promises to you, his blessings to you, your personal relationship with Jesus, your personal salvation, where you're going to go when you die, all that kind of stuff. All that's good. That's all scriptural. But if, if the water of the Spirit is flowing in and it doesn't lead to any good fruit, to an outpouring of love like God towards others, like Jesus showed, then you're not much good to the kingdom, are you? You're not really much good to the kingdom. You're like a big barrel of rainwater outside that's just collecting mosquitoes. Nobody wants to be around you, right? Because you're not doing anybody any good. But living in love, when we live in love, meaning I'm abiding in God, He's abiding in me. I'm celebrating the joy of being loved by God. And I'm committed to loving others with that divine love, that agape love. When both are true, that is a sustainable way to live. That's sustainable living. That's kingdom living. It's living in this, that I I know how much I'm loved, and I pour that love out. I know how much I'm loved, and I pour that love out. And as a community, we can say, we know how much we're loved, and we pour that love out. We just repeat this after me. Repeat this after me. We know how much we're loved, and we pour that love out. We pour that love out. Amen. Amen. Verse 17. He says, love has been perfected among us in this. There's that word perfected. We looked at it last week. It's that Greek word telos. Uh, it, it's perfected, finished, made complete. John's used it a lot of times here. That God's goal of love is, is to be made complete. He's growing us up. He's finishing us off like a sculptor, like an artist finishes his sculpture. That we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Ooh, that's cool. Boldness on the day of judgment. What's he saying here? He's saying so we don't have to worry about the future. It, it's, it's part of like the human condition, I think. There's just something in the back of, of every human being since the first one that we have this hidden ag- anxiety in the back of our mind. What's going to happen? What, what's going to happen when I face God? Was I really good enough? He says we're not waiting. We're not worrying about the future. I'm not worried about judgment day. I'm not, because if I'm going to be accepted, I'm not going to be accepted. I'm not going to be accepted on my, based on my performance. Why aren't I worried? Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, that's Jesus, so are we in this world, in this life. We are like Jesus. Now, for some of us, you might hear that, you read that, and you think, wow. That's not going to be easy, right? Because, I mean, Jesus, that's, he sets the standard really, really high. I got to do a lot of loving to be like Jesus, and boom, the weight's back on us. But to be like Jesus is not just to say, I love people really well. It's also to say, I walk every day with an awareness of how much the Father loves me. That's what Jesus did. That's how he lived. He wasn't just obedient to the Father. He walked knowing that he was beloved by the Father. That's that two-sided love again. He was obedient and he, he was beloved. Abiding in God, God abiding in you. Jesus loved others really, really well. I think we could say that for sure. But he spoke regularly about the Father's love for himself. And so you have passages where The father says, like when Jesus was being baptized in the river, the father, you know, the voice from heaven comes down. And also at his transfiguration, this happened where he says, this is my beloved son. This is my boy. Oh, who I love. I'm so pleased. I love him. Listen to him. You have Jesus himself saying in the gospel of John, this is in the gospel of John chapter 17, he's praying and notice his prayers are for us. Now, this is a beautiful moment here because, listen, we're listening in on God praying to God. This is Jesus praying to the Father. You know, he told us how to pray in the, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. That's, that's awesome. 
But we get to listen in on something mind-blowing here. This is God speaking to God. This is his prayer. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about the future apostles, through the message of those apostles, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Do you realize how? I got the tingles. Just like you are in me and I am in you. Jesus, God talking to God. And they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Oh my gosh, there's so much purpose here. He's, he's, he's telling us why this is. I mean, this is, there's so much at stake. This is a powerful line. So the world may believe. When the world sees this unity that we have, and I'm talking to us at the church now, when the world sees this unity that we have, how are we doing on that project? When the world sees this unity that we have, he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. Such intimacy here. There's so much at stake. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. See, all of this is not for, just for us. It's not just so we can bask in the hot tub of God's love. This, everything is at stake so much, everything is at stake in this. The world will know through this. Jesus is banking his whole case. The reason that will convince people that he is true because of how his people live in unity and peace and love. So the father can look down and say, look at my kids. Look how different they are. And they love each other. They love each other. And then there's this last line. It's fascinating. He says, so the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So when Jesus is praying, when God prays to God, this is what he's praying for. He's praying for you and me. He's praying for this beloved community, the agape toy, remember? So that we will so know that we have been loved that others will see it. You and I, we should walk around so confident that confidence, that faith in the love of God for us, the, the world sees it. The world sees it. We'll shine like a lighthouse that we have been loved the same way Jesus knows he has been loved by the Father. As Jesus is, so are we in this world, John says. That's your evidence. And, and it doesn't just mean I go around trying to work harder. I got to work harder. I got to try to obey, you know, I'm going to be Jesus-y every day and perform, perform, perform. It means I walk around Reminding myself of how loved I am. Just like Jesus knew how loved he was. And we let that love shine outwardly. In fact, Jesus says just a, a few verses later, in, in the, again in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I have made you known to them. He's talking to the Father. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them that I myself may be in them. Notice what he says here. He says, it's not that, he doesn't say the love that you have for them will be in them. He says the love you have for me, Jesus, will be in them. The love that, the actual love that is passing between the members of the Trinity can live in us because we're in him. He's in us. This is revolutionary stuff, friends, Right? This is revolutionary. Being a part of the love life of God, this is liberating. It's not a burden. It's liberating. So with that in mind, John, in his letter, 1 John, goes on in verse 18. We're in 1 John chapter 4. And here we come to the kind of the big enchilada of the day. He says, so there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Why does he say this? Well, remember just before he, uh, he said that his love is made complete in us so that we can have boldness on the day of judgment. We can have boldness. We don't have to have fear or anxiety on the day of judgment. We have boldness. That's, that's a bold thing to claim, right? He's thinking here, what John specifically talked about is religious fear. He's talking about religious fear. There's no religious fear. There's no, am I really going to pass the test on judgment day? 
There's no fear of, does God really love me? Because the more we grow in love, the more fear dies. And the converse is true as well. I mean, the more we allow fear to dominate, love will die. The word for fear here is, is phobos, phobia. There's, there's no phobia. There's no fear. We don't have to live with that oldest of human anxieties. What's going to happen when I leave this place? Am I going to be good enough? Is God going to accept me? Do I make it to the good place? There's no more of that. No more fear. But perfect love, there's that word, tell us again, perfect. Love that's reached its, its goal of, of maturing. Perfect love casts out fear. You see that? Perfect love casts out fear. Yours might say drives out fear. I love that line. The verb here in the Greek is the same word used uh, regularly that's used for an exorcism whenever they're casting demons out. Love performs an exorcism in you, on that fear inside you, when you are possessed with fear. So being flooded with the love of God and then not holding onto it, but sharing it with others in your faith community here. That is, that's your exorcism for your fear right there. Diving in fully into this community of love. And what does he say? For fear has to do with punishment. There again, punishment, or, or the word could be judgment. That I know it's coming, and I'm kind of worried about it. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. If you haven't reached that full flourishing goal of love, if fear is dominating in your life. And then he kind of drives this point home in the next verse in 19. He says this, we love because he first loved us. So we don't just love because it's a command. We don't just love because God's like, I don't really like you people, but I'm, I'm going to make you love or else you better love, right? If you don't, you better watch out. No, we love, it's better translated, we are able to love because he first loved us. We are able to love because he first loved us. He took the first step. His love enables our love. And then he says something that's kind of shocking. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. Yikes. Wow. If you say, I love God, you're loving vertically. You got that down, but you're not loving horizontally. He says you're a big fat liar. That's what the Greek word means, big fat. <laughs> not real. Right? If we're not loving others, we say we love God, we claim it, we're singing the songs, we're going through the motions, but we hate our brothers and sisters. Notice he doesn't say just you say you hate, but you do. You actually hate, you show disdain for your brothers and sisters. If, if your allegiance to anything on this planet is greater than your love for your brothers and sisters, if something else you allow to come between your love of others, then you have not understood love yet. For those, he says, who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they haven't seen. Hmm. If we can't love those we see, the flesh and blood, flesh and blood human beings that we're around, that we're in community with, if we can't love them, how are we going to love a God that's just becomes sort of like this theoretical idea. I think a lot of folks that I've, I've met who've fallen away from the faith or feel themselves drifting away from the faith, I think one of the problems is they never developed a love for people. They never had a real love for people, for humankind. And because of that, they, they try to prop up a theoretical love to an idea of a God, and it's not sustainable. God says, God here says it, it just doesn't work. You can't, you can't love me if you don't love other people. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Now, here's what's interesting when you kind of look at this a little deeper. Um, it sounds like he's given a command because he says the commandment. And if you love God, he's saying, if you love God, you have to love your brothers and sisters. And, and there is that, there is that on, on that level. But I think also what God is doing here is stating a fact. The writer here is stating a fact. This is like a supernatural law he's giving us here. If you truly love God as much as you think you do, you will be showing love to your fellow Christ followers. This is like a spiritual reality. It's like the law of gravity. 
right? John is giving us like a scientific law. You know, if you jump from a cliff, you, you must fall to the ground, right? But now it doesn't mean that it's something you got to really work at, is it? Right? If the mama is sitting there in the yard telling the kid, you better get down from there. If you jump from there, you better fall to the ground. That's not what she says, right? It's going to happen. You're going to fall and you're going to break your face, right? If you jump off the roof. So I think what's happening here is if you do not love God, you will find yourself disdaining other people. You'll find yourself sitting in judgment, sitting in that, that judgment seat, God's seat. That's a form of, of hatred. It's in disunity with others. You'll find that, it, that kind of judgment, and it, it dismantles, it disqualifies that person's claim from loving God. But when we love well, because we are loved well, remember, that's what feeds us, because we are loved well, there's just no judgment. There's no judgment, and that fear for our own judgment is gone. There's no fear in love. And I wonder how many of us who might honestly think to ourselves in a moment of honesty, you think, man, I have a real problem judging people sometimes. Anybody a little judgy every once in a while? I, I, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, right there. I wonder how often we might also find in those moments we're still a little bit afraid of what's going to happen when I stand there before God. That's that fear leaking out. The fruit of that fear is judgment. The fruit of the fear of being judged. We get a little judgy. Yeah. So if that's you, take heart. Listen to what Jesus says about you. I'm glad you're here today. Here's what Jesus says over back in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, as if Jesus ever lies. Like, he doesn't. But he's saying, this is super true. Very truly. It literally means truly, truly. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You already have it. You already have eternal life. And what are the next words here? Let's, let's just say them together, shall we? Will not be judged. Say together like you almost mean it. Will not be judged. Will not be judged. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has, there, it's already done, he has crossed over from death to life. You have already crossed over. If, if this is you, when you are in him and he is in you, you've already crossed over from death to life. He's not talking about physical death, right? We're all going to pass away someday. That's a, that's a given. So what is he, what is he saying? You're, you're living forever. This is you. You're not, you're not have to worry about judgment. You don't have to, you're not going to be burnt up like chaff. You're the wheat. He's going to gather you up. He's going to gather you up. There's no judgment. There's no judgment. I'm just saying that for somebody here, I think, today. There is no judgment. Parents, you're wondering, I, I must have screwed up. There's no judgment. Husbands, wives, single people, whoever you are, there's no judgment. There's no judgment. There's just love. There's just love. And that frees us up when we accept that. Because now I don't do this stuff. I don't obey the Father and give love because I have to or else. No, I do it because I want to, because that's what I'm designed to do, because he has filled me up with it. I can't do anything but it, right? I can't do anything but love. I'm filled with the love of God. This is pure grace. This is pure grace. And what's it all? He says, whoever hears my words and believes him is faith. You know, it's like there ought to be a scripture that says you're saved by grace through faith. believes. Faith. The power of faith. Look, this is a faith church, right? I mean, that's our heritage is, is like, we're like faith people, right? I think some of us are still selling that faith short. Do you realize how powerful your faith is, right? We're using our faith on like getting a good parking place. The faith has brought you from death to life. You're no longer judged. It has brought you over from death 
to life. Wow. I'm going to preach to myself. It's, just, it's fine. No, I'm, I'm ending this here. I, I have a final thought here, because as I was studying through this, I'm studying through this chapter, something occurred to me, and it might have occurred to you, um, if you've been reading this with me. It raises the question, and the question is this, why the emphasis, have you noticed, on loving within the Christ community only? There's been a lot of talk about in this passage, hasn't there? About loving each other, the brothers and sisters, the agape toy, right? Um, there hasn't been any mention on how to love our enemies, how to love our neighbors, how to love others around us, right? Those Republicans and Democrats down the street, how to love them. This brings up a really important fact. The Bible is very clear, and don't, don't, let, don't let this get by you. It's really clear that we are called to start with loving our brothers and sisters. Right here. You're called to start by loving your brothers and sisters, and then to love our neighbors, right? And then, where does Christ take us next? He says, love your enemies. We've crossed from Old Testament to New Testament now. Enemy love. So there's this progression outward from center to greater uh, and greater circles of people. As we dive deeper and deeper into this kingdom way of life, as you dive deeper, your circles expand. Until finally, there's no one left not to love. That's the goal. If you skip to the end, there's no one left not to love. We're to love all people. But John is writing to the beloved community, that's you and me, to say you should start at home. Start at home. Start with one another. You and me, we might say start with this room. There's a lot of Christians in the world. Let's start in this room and then work our way to the whole universal church. Because then what we're doing is offering a communal example to the world of what that love looks like. And, and the scriptures tell us this so, so plainly, that this becomes a model. What we have here is very unique, very special. This isn't like any other club you can join, right? This isn't your neighborhood association club. This isn't like anything, right? It's not like Sam's Club, right? We have Many of us in this room have almost nothing in the natural in common. And yet we have formed this community, not just community, family. Family of love. And this becomes the model, the apologetic for the world that they look at. To, they can point to, and, and, and this, this is what Jesus talked about. You can point and say, this is love in action. Look, everybody look. We're not ashamed of you to see what's going on in here. This is love in action. We don't do it perfectly, for sure. We do it imperfectly, but we're doing it. And this is what Jesus-centered love community looks like right here. And so he says, start here. Start here and then reach out. Start here and then reach out. Because you know what? John, he, he's a smart guy. He knows we're like children. We're all children. We, we, we're, we have to start somewhere and then we mature. We mature in love. So I start with the people who worship the same God as I do, Right? Most of you worship the same God as I do, right? Uh, we worship the same Jesus. We're filled with the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We believe He inspired these scriptures that we read. He breathes through us to fan the flames in our hearts. So this part should be the easiest. This is sort of elementary school kingdom living, this part. And, and that's why this church is so special. I love this church. I love everything about it. I love the things that you guys pull together to accomplish. I love all the crazy, different, frustrating opinions you all have. And you come here. I'm honored by that. We are, we are all honored by you being here, all of us. We love what you bring to the table. And that you choose to be part of this love. That's very special. That is not normal. We say that, you know... I, Remind you of that sometimes. That's not normal. A lot of, even a lot of churches, sadly, can't do that. They'll split. You know, you get church splits and stuff like that if, if people have, don't like the same color of the wall or something. But we don't have that, right? And that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful example. It's even a good example for the rest of our brothers and sisters in other churches. But it's a, it's a really amazing example for the world. That is where we can really shine. 
And so we start in this beloved community. God sets us up for success. He st- that's why he st- said, start with this. And he's helping us. In here, we kind of exercise our muscles, right? Because I-, I know I can, be, I can be a lot to deal with. So you loving me helps exercise your muscles so that we can create something. And it's going to be even easier now when you go and have to love someone who doesn't even believe in your God yet, Right? who believes very different philosophies than you do. Because then, with all this practice, we get to go to those who don't worship the same God, and we can say, even if this person doesn't believe in Jesus yet, the same way I do, I've had the practice of loving my fellow Christians with all their imperfections and their, their, their baggage and their, their pains that they're bringing, because His Spirit flows in me and it leads me to this. I'm loved by God Himself. I can do this because I'm loved by God Himself. Never forget that. I'm able to love these guys in my community of faith. So now that I've had that practice, I'm ready to love those who don't agree with me on really important matters, right? But we better start here. We better start here. We better start here. Are you ready to start here? Are you? Are you committed to this? I hope so. Look, I, I don't want to play church. I, I'm, I, I just am not interested in playing church. Um... The whole idea just bores me going through religious motions. <laughs> I got to tell you, some people, uh, they love it. They love like the, you know, just uh, they're sustained on religious traditions or religious platitudes. I'm really not. It's really boring. And if that's it, I'm out, right? Um, but if we could say we are committed to being the beloved community, start to finish. If we're in, we're in. If we can say that, both receiving and giving love, receiving and giving. So if you'll commit to that with me, I want to make this super practical this morning. We could end it right here, but I know you could, it's still possible to kind of leave and go, mm, that was kind of sweet. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't remember what he said, but yeah, it was sweet. Something about love. Let's make it super practical, okay? What are some next steps for you to take? I want to remove that excuse of, of I don't really know what to do. I want to give us some specific next steps. So I'm going to offer a couple of suggestions. You may be sitting there already, and I don't want to step on this. If you're sitting there already and the Holy Spirit's convicting you of something, you're like, here's a, here's a concrete area. I need to do that differently. Do it, because that's Him leading you and guiding you. That's the Spirit leading you. But if you need a little pastoral nudge, um, I'm going to ask you to commit this week to one of these things that you're not already doing this week. Say, I will, uh, I'll per- I'm going to participate in this community of love. Here's a few ways. Number one, reaching out to other church members uh, that you notice are missing from our gatherings, either on the phone, by phone, or by in person. Reaching out to folks, right? Some of them might be sick. We get a lot of folks who are sick, and it, it, sometimes they don't like call us or let us know and they could be sick for weeks and we don't really realize if nobody calls them right so call them up um some of you uh watching might be staying home out of caution uh, because of coronavirus some people more and more people we're talking to uh, are just finding themselves drifting away kind of out of habit you know not coming to church for eight months can Create new habits. That's kind of human nature. Um, And you can start to feel disconnected from the body of Christ. So here's one way you can show love is reach out to people this week. Um, Second way, sign up to serve. You saw the little video. There's, we're, we're starting up Kids World. That's amazing. That's awesome. We love our kids. Um, it takes a lot of resources to do that. It takes a lot of people. And so here's a way I can, I can be involved in the community as I accomplish things alongside each other, right? Arm in arm. So sign up to be a blessing in our Kids World uh, and by the way, that's not only being a blessing to kids, which it is, it's also being a blessing to their parents, right? Amen. How many, how many parents are, are wrestling with a kid right now? Yeah, I, I, I know we, we, we have a couple too. And so, yeah, and so that's a blessing to the parents. It's a blessing to the community. There's a lot in the community who really want to come. They just don't feel like they can come to a place unless there's something there for their kids, a ministry for their kids. And so we want to be able to provide that. Um, if, you, if you're not into, into kids, like you don't even like kids, then maybe you, some other place is better for you. Uh, you could sign up for our greeter team. That's great. Uh, we have a welcome center team. We have ushers, um, and uh, we have an audiovisual tech team. They're amazing back there. We got all kinds of things that you can do, and you and uh, you can do that online. If you go to gchurch.net, there's a place to serve, and you can find a place to serve there, um, or you can do it through our church app. If you search on your church app, search place, 
for Generations Church Spring. It'll pop right up there. And download that free app, and that'll be good for you. Um, and everybody is commissioned to do number three, which is approaching new people that you don't recognize with the desire to love them well. Right? Approach people you don't recognize with, with, a, with an excitement to, to love them well. Go and greet people uh, and go to people that you don't know. Find a face that you don't recognize right here in this room and go up to them and say, hey, uh, are you new here? And they'll say something like, no, I've been coming here for about 10 years. And you'll say, well, that's awkward. Well, we, it's about time we get to know each other, right? That happens. I, I still do it and it's really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's high time for us to get to know each other. So you just, and you continue the conversation and you get to know, you get to know one another. You know, Sunday morning shouldn't be the place where we, we whisk in, we sing our songs uh, and learn a little bit and then head straight to our car. Um, uh, say, say, just commit. I'm going to linger. I'm going to initiate conversations with others. There's one other thing, and this just came to me this morning, so I don't have a slide for it, but let me just say this. Um, if, if you are uh, home right now, uh, is as the Lord impresses upon you, as you feel the tug of that Holy Spirit, I encourage you, those of you who are watching my live stream, be willing to take a step of faith. Be willing to take a step of faith to come be in community with us. Be willing to do that, to, to come into community. And I know there, there, are, there are good, legitimate reasons not yet to come, um, but, you know, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and, and take that step of faith. Now, the converse of that is us here in the room. Y'all just look away. I'm going to talk to these guys here. Us here in the room have love for the agapitoi and grace for those who are risking everything to come. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care about your freedom, your liberty. Have love. Have love for those who are risking everything. There are people here right now, I, I, know, I know you, and I talk to you, and, I, and I'm so proud of you, because I know you are already taking a risk. You have a history, you have family members, you have these kind of things happening, and so being here is a huge step of faith to you. Every time I walk in and see you here, my heart just explodes. You, you're such an inspiration. You're showing me how to be more like Jesus. Ivy, you're showing me how to be like Jesus every time I see your face. So have love for those who risk everything to come here. What do I mean? Wear a stupid mask in the hallway, okay? You don't have to wear one in here, but when you're walking in the hallway, just wear a mask, okay? A lot of folks, I can't tell you, it just it breaks my heart. They tell me, we, we tried to come, and, and nobody's being careful. I'm just telling you this, because I'm not talking to them, because they're not listening right now. I'm just telling you. They, they've told me, nobody's being careful. We, we don't feel comfortable, and that breaks my heart because this is the agape toy. Guys, come on. Love each other. Enough to put this on your face. It's not hard. It's not hard. There you go. I can still breathe. I'm okay. I didn't give up any of my civil rights. Just love each other, okay? Love each other. We want everybody here. We want everybody here because we, we need to help each other become more like Jesus. All right, here we go. All right, y'all can look. Come back. <laughs> um, we're going to turn our platitudes into action, okay? Hallelujah. Uh, or else we're boring. Or else we're just, we're, we're lukewarm water. We're a big pot of mosquito water, okay? We don't want to be that. We have the potential to be the beloved community here, to be loved and to flow out that love. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, oh, thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. Thank you for being love and loving us. Lord, your infinite grace that you've had for me, I can't even I can never finish saying thank you. How you've loved us. We invite, Lord, your spirit to teach us, to guide us, to convict us and encourage us this week. Ways that we can remind ourselves of your love and that we can show that love. Help us to love one another 
with the same love that you have for us. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have anything you need prayer for, we want to pray for you. We want to put our faith with yours. It's not the same when we pray. Uh, yeah, th- things change. Things are activated. So send us your prayer request, whatever's going on. If you're not with us this morning, if you're watching by live stream or you're listening to this, there's a lot of ways you can send in your prayer request. You can do it online on the website, gchurch.net. You can do it on the phone app. Uh, you can email it to us at prayer at gchurch.net. That's an email. Um, you can write it on a piece of paper if you're here and put it in the offering buckets around the church and we'll get that. We have a whole prayer team that these, these prayers go out to and we instantly we hear these, we get these prayers and we all go to work. We all go to prayer right then. And if you would like someone to stand with you face to face in the flesh right here this morning. Pastor Albert's going to be down for, down front, down here. He sure is. He's going to be down here and he would love to pray with you. If you need that that human contact to stand with you and pray that prayer with you. Come down, let him pray for you. Amen. Uh, those of you who are giving your tithes and offerings, thank you so much for, for just being generous, for honoring the Lord, for loving the Lord in this way. This is another way we worship. Our giving is just another way we worship, just like singing and living and loving other people. We give. It's, a, it's part of, we're giving out of our resources uh, back to the Lord. And it also enables this church this body uh, to do all the things God called us to do, to be a blessing to our community and around the world. Uh, so many things that you guys are a part of around the world. You, you're hitting way above your weight. I mean, you are touching so many thousands and thousands of people. And it's just, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. So thank you for giving. There's, you can give online. You can also give, there's little offering boxes down here beside the stage, out in the foyers. You can do that that way too. Amen. Hallelujah. And so my, my friends, let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he turn his favor to you this week. May you sense his love in such amazing quantities that it just pours out into everybody you meet. Amen. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Bye-bye.